Hiya, everybody. Thanks for joining us on, you guessed it, Pressure Points. We're going to get into some crazy things today, so you better whip it out and get ready to start stimulating those peepees. It's your baby boys. I'm D. I'm AJ. And we're here with the regular podcast, bi-weekly, Le Pressure Puentes. Today, we're going to be talking about these fun little review boards that are called Institutional Review Boards. IRBs for short. I will be saying IRBs a lot. That is my buzzword of the day. Ooh. Watch for it in the show notes. And if you let us know how many times I say IRBs, I will give you a prize, and it will be a virtual high five, because props to you for taking fucking note on that. I don't even get real high fives, so. So. Damn. Looks like AJ is gonna be listening out for those IRBs. Oh, that's two. Oh, I got a, he's I got a good. clicker. He's good. He's got a clicker. <laughs> uh, but first, I kind of want to talk about what happened a couple weeks ago. It's it's rough, and we're really gonna. I need everyone to listen in. Um, Start on a somber note. Yeah. uh, So, Saturday morning, a couple weeks ago, I was awoken by my my roommate because our door, there was a knock at the door. And so, I I mean, I, I don't have a shirt on because I'm like sleeping in the nude thinking of AJ. And I mm. uh, wake up, go open the door because my roommate said there are missionaries <gasps> at the front door. Uh, and I was expecting Mormon missionaries because that's fairly prominent. We had just moved to this apartment. Uh, so I figured, you know, Mormon missionaries. Open the door a little bit, and it's these two older-looking Mexican guys. But I could not see the third person behind one of the guys to begin with. So I go, hey, give me a second. I go, put a shirt on. And they chuckled in. Jehovah's Witness Mexican. Um, <laughs> so come back, shitty shirt, and uh, open the door. I go, hey, uh, what can I help you with? And they go, we are Jehovah's Witness. Uh, we are, and I cut them off and I go, I'm not interested. Sorry, not my thing. And they go, like, give me this weird look. I'm like, I'm not really, I'm good. Thank you, though. And they go, no, we don't speak. English, uh, we would like, do you know people that speak Spanish? And immediately I'm like, fuck, they weren't even trying to opposition me. <laughs> they weren't even <laughs> trying to recruit you or rope like, you in at all. We already saw this guy's nipples. We know <laughs> we don't want him to be a member of our, our church. So I'm dumping on these guys. All they're trying to find is, hey, we just want to have a conversation with someone. They had walked up Three flights of stairs up to the fourth floor, which AJ shamed me for that today, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry that I'm privileged and I live on a higher floor, okay? The view is nice over the construction <sighs> lot down the street, okay? Yeah, so you can look down on all us in poverty. Yeah, fucking plebs. God, you're so white. <laughs> so yeah, I dump all over these these Jehovah's Witnesses. And all of a sudden, this like young... 13-year-old girl steps out from behind one of one of the guys and I'm like what 
what the fuck? Where did she come from? And she just looked so sad about it all. And I was like, uh, I'm, I'm really sorry, uh, but we're new. I don't know anyone that speaks Spanish. But good luck, guys. Be safe out there in this blistering July heat. Uh, so yeah, that was that's my story. Uh, I'm I'm an asshole to missionaries. And you slammed the door in their face. Then I slammed it and I said, "God damn, Jehovah's Witnesses." Uh, but yeah, so there's that. I'm an asshole. Smoke uh, you... saying, "Hail meth." <laughs> yeah, smoke seven marijuanas. Hail meth. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you haven't picked this up from the first two episodes, I am a complete asshole, even to people's face and in the podcast and in the closet studio. Ooh, Ooh. coming to you fresh yeah. from blanket the fort. in the closet blanket fort. We still have studio. not gotten a, a blanket roof yet, but. We have pinned up some blanket walls. It's it's coming together really nice. Oh, it's so nice. I'm, I'm putting a lot of effort into my interior decorating. I don't even have a closet yeah. to record in, so I don't know what's going to happen when you <laughs> when you come down to my place. Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe this will be our permanent, and I'll force you to. I'm not going to drive down here all the time. Up <laughs> That's four flights of stairs. Three, three <laughs> flights. Yeah, but of they stairs. double back on each other. They're just little little double backs. Like ah, and there's steps. so many steps. They're like those dumb half steps. <laughs> they're like, you got to move so you forward know, a foot and then there up are six inches. 54 steps that you take to get to my point. Jesus. Just so you know. Uh, okay, so IRBs. Three. Number three, there it is. I'm uh, not going to keep track anymore. So <laughs> institutional review boards were created in 1981 to protect the rights and welfare of human subjects involved in research activities. All right. And that's our podcast. That's all we're, we're going We're done. All right. Yeah. Thanks uh, for fall- coming no. in. So, uh, I'm going to be going over a lot of the terrible research studies that led up to why they created IRBs. Because uh, some of these are horrible. And we're not going to get into uh, what led to the Nuremberg trials, which was a lot of human testing. Um, we're going to leave that for its own episode, strictly because that is a shit ton of content. Uh, so I'm going to blast past anything that blast ass, blast ass, blast past the uh, a lot of basically all of this stuff that happened during the Nazi trials. Unless AJ wants to tune in on that because he's an enthusiast. Uh, enthusiast. I'm so glad you used that <laughs> word rather than what you normally call me, which is uh, just Nazi. <laughs> I mean, I look the part, you know. Got the blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, definitely blonde hair. Definitely blue it's, eyes. It's definitely blonde. Uh, definitely, definitely the eugenics physique. Ooh. Oh, the physique, definitely. <laughs> I also have two hearing aids and glasses. Oh, so... boy. Ooh, I bet Adolf Hitler Watch get out, hard ladies. to that. Ooh. He's not single. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll start with one of the bigger ones that lasted a fairly long amount of time, and AJ knows about this, uh, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. So uh, they collected these people told them that they were going to be administering syphilis or treating their syphilis. Some of them didn't have syphilis, though some did. It was uh, bad blood. They would be treating oh, bad true. blood. They told them they would be treating bad blood, uh, and they would offer health care and everything, take care of these guys. Mind you, 
all of them were African Americans. And poor. And poor. Poor African Americans, which, just so you know, that is the trending topic on a lot of these stories. <laughs> yeah. Racism and shitting on people's wages. Uh, so they pull these people in, tell them that they're going to treat their bad blood. Uh, some of them they gave syphilis, and then they did nothing about it. A lot of this was really just to observe the effects that this had on people rather than treat. Yeah, um, yeah. it was the long-term effects of syphilis. It was 400 people who were infected. It's it's ridiculous. Like It went over the course of 40 years. Some of these people weren't treated. There were 40 wives that contracted syphilis from this experiment. I believe it was like 27 children contracted it as well. And I'm sure that that's not necessarily counting the ones that probably died in the process. Um, But the worst part about it is that during this experiment, they found that administering penicillin could over time cure syphilis. Yeah, it was a cure. None of these people were administered penicillin. And I'm sure not. they were. I'm sure they were kept in the dark about it as well. Uh, so yeah, didn't they get like a burial insurance for yes. uh, going through this? Yeah, burial insurance as well. And like as food, well. <laughs> food and burial insurance. That's all you need. <laughs> and uh, healthcare that we're not going to do anything to assist you with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have healthcare, but welcome to America where it doesn't count for shit. <laughs> um. So this went on for forty years, and in 1972. Uh, the whistleblower, Peter Buxton, came out. How dare he? uh, That's where they found out about all this, and it actually started to open the can of worms that became institutional review boards. So, continuing on, generally that one is the one that is most recognized for the reason of the creation. Uh, It actually led to... The Belmont Report, which was what led to IRBs. So I'm going to drop through a timeline, kick through some things, and hurt AJ's insides with some of the mm. shit that happened. Looking so forward to it. in 1937, S.E. Massingill was making a sulfa medicine. All right. And they wanted people to feel like they weren't taking a really shitty medication. I mean, it was a drink. It came in this little brown, Ugh. gross bottle. So, Ugh, that sounds uh, awful. The, the chemist that made this, his name was Harold Watkins. And so, mind you, I say chemist because this guy is a chemist. Regardless what happens in this, <laughs> surprisingly enough, this guy is a chemist. An idiot, but still a chemist. So... Uh, they released this, but one of the biggest factors that goes into why this is an issue is that he added DEG as a solvent so that it would mix all of this together. But hopefully to counteract that, he added raspberry flavoring so that it was extra fun for the kids. Delicious. Uh, they released this product, send it out. Now, mind you, DEG is terribly poisonous. It causes kidney damage and eventually kidney failure. Um, so they send these out. People are drinking it. They're fine. 
Psych, no, they're fucking not <laughs> fine. Uh, 71 adults and 34 children died from drinking Holy this. Holy shit. From Over 100 this. people? Yeah. Uh, it actually led to... It wasn't all of the reason that they created the FDA. Um, if you're interested in that, by all means, look up The Jungle. A uh, great book that opens up an enormous can of worms with how terrible the meat industry was back mm -hmm. in, in the 30s. Uh, but... Uh, this was also one of the, the big kickers for why the FDA came about. Um, the owner of S.E. Massengill, 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 I don't know, uh, came out and said, and I quote, we have been supplying a legitimate professional demand and do not, and not once could have been, could have foreseen the unlooked for results. I do not feel that there was any responsibility on our part, even though at the time, it was very widely known that DEG was poisonous. Isn't DEG antifreeze? Yes. Isn't it one of the ingredients in antifreeze? It's one of the main ingredients. <laughs> Jesus for Christ. Antifreeze. So, Fuck. Uh, during the trial, however, their chemist killed himself. Uh, On which, purpose? Um, I don't know. It's It might be like a Jeff Epstein situation where... Oh, suicided. Yeah, he was suicided. <laughs> um, so it's it's terrible to think like people unknowingly were ingesting this and it's causing all these enormous issues. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get this medication that's going to help me. <laughs> I'll feel better. Because I'm, I'm really sick. Take this medication. The doctor says it's okay. Everybody says it's okay. It's on the, st the store shelves. I'm going to take it. And then I fucking die. My kidneys hurt. That's normal. I've been drinking a lot of alcohol lately. Oh, my kidneys are failing. This doesn't feel normal. Oh. Immediate that, death. Um, that reminds me of something brief tangent. It's a, another medication. I think it was called Radithum or Radithor or something like that. It was an energy drink that was also branded as a medication that was full of radiation. Oof. In fact, it was so bad that one of the biggest proponents of taking this medication slash energy drink slash anti-fatigue <laughs> died. Slash they, radiation. Slash radiation died, and they had to bury him in a lead coffin. Oh, my God. Forty years later, they brought him up and exhumed him to do an autopsy and still he was still radioactive oh my God. to the point where it could cause harm <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so you know trust everything that's and this on the store was later shelves. coined as monster energy drink was <laughs> <laughs> yes but his name was kyle they used it later on for battery acid in <laughs> most vehicles uh so 1939 this one, the title itself is is terribly indicative of how horrible this was, and it's called the Monster Stutter Study. Ooh! <laughs> All right. Did, uh, was it called that before issues started to to arise? Was that the original name? I don't know. But if you stutter Probably. already, you wouldn't necessarily be able to speak. You wouldn't be able to say the title very well. Monster uh, Stutter Study. Um, so in Iowa, a guy named Wendell Johnson had 22 orphans at his expense. I have no idea why. <laughs> at his expense? Yeah. So he took these 22 orphans, split them into two different groups. Each group had five orphans that not only were they orphaned, they also had a stutter. So nobody wanted them. <laughs> um, 
and he ends up finding one of his colleagues and tells her, hey, I need you to assist me with this this experiment. So they take, we'll say group A. They take group A off to the side and they tell all of these kids that they have a stutter. But they're taking them off and they say, hey, we're doing speech therapy with you kids so that you don't sound like all of you have a fucking stutter. Uh, so takes them off to the side, gives them speech therapy, but the whole time she's positively reinforcing them. Hey, you're, you'll grow out of it. You're going to do great. You'll be cured of your stutter in, in, in time. Okay. Um, and these kids are happy. These, these kids are thrilled. They end up becoming more um, sociable. Confident? Yeah. You know, okay. what positive reinforcement does. Now, on the other aspect, uh, Group B goes in. All of these kids, once again, are told that they have a stutter. But all of them are shamed to living hell for having a stutter. Jeez. So, mind you, six of these kids don't have a speech impediment. Uh, but they're told, you're saying these words wrong. Even though they're probably pronouncing them correctly. Yeah. They're destroying the confidence that these kids have. Uh, and all of the kids end up not having a stutter, but because they're being shit on so often, none of them want to speak. A lot of them okay. just elect, like, I mean, if I'm not going to get over this and I'm a, if I'm a degenerate for having a stutter, I'm not going to speak. Yeah. So uh, it, it actually brought up a lot of points of nurture versus nature and how you can influence that doesn't exist it's all genetics yeah it's all genetics it's all yeah we can we can <laughs> weed that shit out with eugenics um but just how easily you can toy with the mind with people that are so vulnerable especially mm -hmm. you know i don't know orphan children yeah potentially <laughs> uh absolutely terrible uh and that vulnerable state that a lot of people are in, it's, it's like I said, it kind of segues into a lot of these other ones. Uh, in Statesville, Illinois, uh, the penitentiary out there during World War II, uh, so like 1940s, they, the University of Chicago, as well as the U.S. military, I guess, research committee, more or less, approached the penitentiary. And they said, hey, look, a lot of our troops overseas are having issues with malaria. So, All right, common issue. Yeah. yeah. We would like to administer malaria to <laughs> some of your inmates and figure out if our vaccinations or drug treatments will work. Now, it wasn't all, it wasn't all involuntary. Uh However, it did go on for 29 fucking years. Uh, so I'm guessing their treatment was not that. <laughs> it wasn't working so hot. Um, so they approached the inmates and they would say, hey, we'll pay you 30 to $50 a month um, to contract malaria through. This is, this is the part that I was like, that's fucked. They would use mosquitoes. They would have them bit by a mosquito to contract malaria. And then they would do treatment. Um, Instead of just injecting them with <laughs> malaria? Yeah, some of them would. But, yeah, mosquitoes, I found that terribly interesting that they're like, 
we'll have we'll have you contract it like our troops overseas. Some of these guys would do it because they were like, I'm helping overseas while I'm in prison, while I'm stuck stateside. Yeah, I'm helping the I'm war helping effort. helping the war effort, yeah. Um, so not only were they essentially using vaccinations and drug treatments on these guys, they were also using, and it didn't specify, but they were also testing a vaccination that was normally used on monkeys, um, which... Uh, that one's a whole Ooh. a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean they're obviously these guys they're not necessarily being screwed over like they're kind of getting treatment. Um some of them obviously were cured. Uh but I read a New York Times article on it. Oh, fancy boy. I know. It, it's great because it's back from uh, oh, the 1940s. Oh, you found an old yeah, one. Yeah, oh, okay. old 1940s one. Uh, and they talk about it and they're like, well, this is what happened. This is why it was wrong. Um, but they never – so I should say the warden at the time said, we haven't had anyone die of malaria, which – is definitely incorrect. I don't know the numbers, but over 4,000 people were infected. Um, and, I mean, it was mid-20th century. There are definitely people that fucking died yeah, of malaria. Yeah, like, I mean, of course they wouldn't say that. They were, oh, they died of natural causes. Oh, yeah. oh he, all these things. He probably just got prison raped to death in the showers. Yeah, that's had easier to write off. Malaria. All right, so... I mean, I you know they're they're doing something to benefit all of humanity yeah, at this time. Absolutely. They're doing some clinical trials on you know trying to trying to cure and treat malaria, mm-hmm. but not everybody consented to it. Was it not explained, uh, or was it? They were they consented to it. the The reason IRBs have an issue with it is because you're putting people in harm's way. You're infecting yeah, them. Yeah, you're, you're going out malaria. of your way to infect yeah. them. Oh, okay. It's not like these people are, oh, well, we're going to go into your, your prison and we're going to try to treat all these people that have malaria and we're going to pay them f- because the we're giving them treatment. experimental treatment. Okay. No, it was, hey, we're going to infect you and then give you treatment. It's Okay, yeah, then there's definitely an issue way. there. Yeah, big issue. Uh so around the same time, kind of the same concept down in Guatemala, 1947, they did STD experiments. But Best place to do it. The administering for this is way worse than just mosquitoes. So they infected, um, what is it, like 1,300 people Holy shit. Um, with either gonorrhea or syphilis. Gonorrhea or syphilis. Both of those, all four of the things. Fuck. Now, some were injected, some were infected with prostitutes. Oh, God, that's what I was hoping you were not going to (laughs) say. So, the reason... They had to track down <laughs> disgusting prostitutes and, with I mean, syphilis and gonorrhea. Some of these, they would infect these prostitutes and have them go in and give them to these guys. Uh, Jesus Christ. In a, in a Guatemalan prison, mind you. Now, In a prison as well. The best part about this is that it was done by the U.S. Surgeon General. Oh, of course. Uh, the reason being, during World War II, the amount of troops that were dying every year 
to syphilis or gonorrhea was like hundreds of thousands of people overseas. Mm-hmm. Tons of them were dying. They were saying yeah. that it was essentially one entire infantry would die every year. They were losing an infantry worth of men just Jeez. to... Use a fucking condom. Yeah. yeah, just to something that was as simple as, you know, not having sex with the foreigners. <laughs> um, using a condom yeah, and then getting a, an, a big old dose of penicillin. Yeah, maybe focusing on fighting and not fucking. Oh, uh, yeah. So they infect all these guys. Uh, but the treatment that they were using was prophylaxis. Do you know what prophylaxis is? They used a prophylactic to treat syphilis and gonorrhea. <laughs> Explain it for the boys back home. So they would inject their penis with uh, <laughs> <laughs> with treatment to get rid of syphilis. Simply the best, honestly. Oh, like, that's, I can't that's think the of only any cure. better treatment. I do that uh, for fun every Sunday night, yeah. honestly. Gets me ready for, for my shitty Monday. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you inject your penis. That's so, a weird kink. I bet you have some weird scar tissue. You don't want to know, baby. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, so the 678 of 1,308 actually got treatment. Just treatment at all? Just treatment. Not just the, the penile treatment. Mm-hmm. So almost half didn't get treatment. It was almost like the... Uh, the syphilis test where it was like we just want to watch and see what okay the control group yeah they didn't get the yeah the control group which props to them i guess like i'm sure most of them had no idea that that was the case so uh, with i got another question about the the injections sorry yeah. i'm i'm fixated so a prophylactic injection into the penis and then they would have the prostitute sleep with the dude prophylactics are usually preventative so would they they probably found out they were preventative. Oh, after, after the fact, all of this, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes a lot more sense then. <laughs> I was like, so you're in a prison, someone injects your penis with a needle, and then they say, "Here's a prostitute, have fun." Just that makes opposite. more sense. Hey, oh, okay. here's a prostitute, have fun. Now we're gonna stab the shit out. Now of Now get penis. the vice. Yeah. <laughs> Hold them down, baby. <laughs> um. So later on, uh, in 2010. President Obama actually made a public apology for what happened in Guatemala because it was a U.S. sponsored treatment and experiment. It took that long. Yeah, he he made the apology. It you know it only took like seventy years for for us to actually apologize for. Hey, it props to Barry. I miss that boy. Oh man, good old good old Obama. We we shall miss him extremely. Um, so this one's a little bit out of the timeline. It's just one that I can get out of the way because it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> of course. So thalidomide, uh, it's a tragedy. It's actually labeled the thalidomide tragedy. You want to say that again? Uh, fl- thalidomide. Thalidomide? T-H-A-L-I-D-O-M-I-D-E. Thalidomide. 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 I don't know. 1960s. Uh, Europe, Japan, and Australia, uh, they were giving pregnant females, pregnant women, pregnant people, thalidomide for nausea, but it was causing causing huge birth defects. Uh, like alien babies or like learning disabilities? 
disabilities overall, like, I don't know, congenital heart disease, okay. uh, malformations of the inner and outer ear, and ocular abnormalities. You know, nothing too crazy. <laughs> you can live with that for a couple um, of years. The thing about that, I'm not going to say it, but the thing about that compound medication is that it was later used for treating myeloma and fucking leprosy. Seriously, it was these an... women were taking something to treat leprosy while they were pregnant when oh they my... didn't have leprosy because they were like, my tummy hurts a little bit. Probably because there's a fucking baby in there. Jesus, yeah, there is a baby in the tummy. Yeah, well, I mean, pee stored in the balls. Yeah, it... but gee, they were gi- they were given a leprosy medication while they were pregnant. Mm-hmm. That seems like a fantastic idea. Yeah, can't be beat. Jesus Christ, just get some Zofran <laughs> or something. God. So yeah, it causes all these these birth defects, and it's just like... And treat syphilis. Yeah. I mean, and leprosy. At least they know that they won't have leprosy. Yeah. That's a plus. Yeah. They might already have syphilis, though. They're, oh, yeah. There's okay. a chance that they Probably. were one of the 40 females that got it. Uh, so, just mind-blowing how uh, this one actually led to them realizing, hey, we should probably have better idea of what <laughs> our medication is before we send it out. Um, no. It led to a lot of testing of medications prior to the experiments. Regardless, absolutely ridiculous that they're just causing fucking birth defects. Yeah, and it's ridiculous that they didn't know that that's what it would do, you know. Nowadays... We have the warnings. We have the education that, oh, if I take this medication while I'm pregnant, I'm going to get a birth defect. Yeah. Doctors won't prescribe them. Like, it we know about this information. the amount of awareness that actually goes on now as opposed to even just 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, this one is my favorite one, and I am terribly excited to see your reaction on this. I have kept this one a secret. I wanted to text you about it. The other night, but it's worth the wait. I'm so, ready, Daddy. In 1949, uh, in Massachusetts, there was a school called Ferndale, uh, and they had a little science program that Ooh. kids could join there. Uh, the only thing about Ferndale was prior to it being named Ferndale State School, it used to be called the Massachusetts School for the Feeble-Minded. Um, okay. Now, the cool thing about it was MIT actually sponsored uh, this science program. Um, and because it was sponsored by MIT, they would take these kids to Red Sox games back in 1949. They would mm-hmm. take them to little films, plays, museums. They were really good to these kids. They showed okay. them some cool shit. Yeah, they treated were, them really well. Yeah, they treated them terribly well. Uh, they would make breakfast for them and like daily, daily breakfast. They would they would prepare for these kids, send stuff over, uh, and none of these kids are living with their parents. They're they're all at a state school, living essentially a boarding school. Okay, and were were these kids disabled? Or? All of them 
were. They just changed the name of the, okay. the school so that it wasn't like, we're honey, we're sending you to the feeble-minded school. Okay, so it these, probably wasn't It kind of any... helps lead these kids into actually joining the school and being there willingly. Probably wasn't any any of the you know huge disabilities, probably some of the more minor disabilities than if they're able to go out and go to museums and baseball mm-hmm. parks and yeah, not get exactly. overwhelmed. It's, it's not okay. as Okay, just, just some help. So... Uh, 74 students are in this sh- in this science club, uh, and they're given Quaker oats every morning for breakfast. Um, now, at the time, Quaker oats was they were the leading breakfast food in Ooh. in the United States, and they were thrilled. But cream of wheat was creeping up on them. <laughs> And uh, is this a class war between cream of wheat? <laughs> it gets way better. So, cream of wheat. Uh, now, this is not the reason that cream of wheat was creeping up, but Quaker saw it as well. We have one thing wrong with our product, and that's that oats don't help you absorb fiber better. Uh, or sorry, not fiber, iron. They don't help you absorb iron better. So, Quaker oats is like. There's only one way that we can really get this to to fix, mm-hmm. and that's by, you know, reaching out to the Atomic Energy Commission and making sure that we can get people healthier. Of course. So Specifically the, the Atomic Energy. Yep, because those are the guys you want to go through to uh, make sure that you can get iron absorbed better. Now, they reach oh, out God. to MIT and they say, hey, look. We are going to supply you guys with Quaker oats. Feed them to your science club kids and let us know your results. Now, the only thing about it is, and this is why they had to reach out to the Atomic Energy Commission, uh, is because they put radioactive iron in their Quaker Oats. Oh, no. Oh, it gets better. Radioactive uh, <laughs> iron? Let's they, just start with that. They also gave them radioactive milk to use. And some of these kids would get radioactive calcium injections. Why? Because they needed the, to absorb the iron. Would the radiation help absorb <laughs> iron? It was the radioactive iron. I'd assume your body would just. Why didn't they just go get some rust better. and sprinkle it in the fucking oats? Because they went through the Atomic A- Energy Commission. They probably got a committee. The, the they probably got paid or something. During this same time, the Atomic Energy Committee was also just randomly infecting. Well, not infecting, but causing radiation to over 200,000 humans across the U.S. citizens that aren't necessarily no well-knowing. They're not like, oh, yeah, I would love some radiation. Yeah. Uh, now, it came out in 1993 uh, that they had done this <clears throat> because the AEC released a bunch of declassified documents. And... The funny thing about all of it is that the government gave initial clear for this specific test. Oh. And it wasn't that, oh, yeah, like, you can put that in your your breakfast food. It was, you can put that in your breakfast food, and you can administer it to that school's science club. Oh, like, specifically. And MIT was to record the results and pass it along to Quaker. To see if they get more iron. Yeah, and it turned into a huge thing. Now... 
the thing that's fucked up about it is I mean besides well, the I mean, fact besides that there's the fact no that consent. Yeah, there's no they consent. don't know about it and they're disabled. Been, yeah, it's besides it's, those things. Besides, you know, little details. the main points of it is uh the the AEC says, "Oh, well, you know, like it didn't necessarily really harm anybody." The defense in Jesus. court was, "Well, it's not like it was really that bad." Uh they came to find out that the levels of radiation that these kids were exposed to was 170 to 330 millirems. Millirems, though. Fuck. So, I mean, it's not still, a ton. That's still pretty decent. Now, this is equivalent to 30 consecutive chest x-rays. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, none of these guys suffered significant health impacts that were reported. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> they uh, all died from cancer, but it wasn't related to the radiation. Yeah, no, no. Oh, no, hell It no. wasn't the radiation by any means. Uh, so the prosecutor though, that was fighting for these kids in court said, what was the genesis of this, of these particular experiments? It seems simply to be, what are the relative benefits of oatmeal and cream of wheat? Which is so <laughs> painful. Cause he's just Jesus like double Christ. middle fingers to Quaker. Hey, thanks for like, at least your health benefits are that much better, even though it was fucking radioactive. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> it's so painful to realize. I mean, even after we talked about eugenics last episode, just how quick people were to shit on these kids who, one, didn't get consent forms, and even if they did, they wouldn't have been able to understand them. And they Their were minors. Parents, they were minors. These are seven and eight year old kids. Oh my god! It's not a state school. It's it's not what we consider a state school now, where it's a a university. It's a child school, adolescents that don't know any better. Their parents don't have oversight on this stuff, and they're like, "Oh yeah, by all means, little little Ben." join your science club. I'm excited that you're going out and doing things. And they're getting shit on by MIT. They're getting mini-nuked. <laughs> mini-nuked. God, they're probably glowing. It's like, Mom, the milk at the school is glowing green slowly. And they're like, oh, that's fine, little Tommy. <laughs> and it only took them 50 years to find out Jesus. that they had been irradiated. So, uh, on a lighter note, Oh, uh, Henrietta Lacks in 1951 was, I'm saying lighter note, she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Oh, yes. Um, so she goes in and they are taking cells, they take a cell sample from her cancer, ship it off site to Dr. George, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, uh, fans, George Gay, it's G-E-Y. <laughs> Gee, j- gay, j- it's definitely I, gay. Yeah, it's definitely gay. Uh, so, and that's also how his name is pronounced. <laughs> uh, he gets sent these samples, and generally he'll do a little tiny test on them. Or by the time they get there, they're dead samples. Cells have died. Uh, he gets these ones though, and for some reason they're a lot more than were sent. Because okay. he found that every 20 to 24 hours, the cells were duplicating. Oh, so they were the cancer cells or just uh, 
They were just her cells. Just a, a sample of her cells. A sample of her cells. Okay. Yeah. She died that same year at 31. Uh, he named the, the cell itself, which was unprecedented for them to be duplicating that quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he named them Hela cells, which is the first two letters of her first <laughs> oh, name no. and the first two letters of her last name. This guy was a modern-day genius. Yeah, that's that's um, amazing. That's branding right there. <laughs> right? So they actually still use her cells to study the effects of toxins, drugs, and hormones, and viruses on cancer cells uh, for research. Um, yeah, I've heard of her before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah she, it's in a way she's still alive because all across the world there are samples of her her cells because they reproduce so quickly. She and probably they, is. They duplicate so they quickly. They just have a pile of Henrietta and it's just cells and it looks disgusting. It's just, <laughs> just a just, pile of cells. Just thousands of cells. It's like a Kellogg's cereal <laughs> bowl of cells. <laughs> of cells, yeah. Uh, she actually, her cells actually played a crucial role in the uh, discovering of the polio vaccine. All against, not against her will, but without consent. So her biggest thing, it wasn't so much consent. It was more so that it wasn't confidential. Um, that it was, Hey, look whose cells we've got. Look who has these strange duplicating cells. Uh, look who had cancer. Um, that was the biggest issue with that one. It's not so much the uh, learning that, that we gained from it, the medical technology and everything that, that grew from there. It was more so that, hey, we should probably keep her private business confidential. Yeah. Uh, yes, she might have liked to receive credit, but she also could have been terribly embarrassed about it. What about uh, her her family? Did they receive any kind of financial compensation? Or not anything? as far as I saw, which I'd assume that's also one of the issues with it. Is okay, that, yeah. you know, they're not being compensated for the loss or the like the fact that the they're fact using they're literally you know, yeah their mother herself. or sister yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Um. So. It's not as necessarily controversial, more so just something to lighten the mood after we find out about disabled kids (laughs) being fucking poisoned with radiation. Uh, But on the other side of things with cancer research, uh, Chester M. Southam. In 1952, he worked at the Sloan Kettering Institute, and he had funding from the government once again, the government, they're killing it. Oh, they're I mean, literally. Yeah. Uh, so he got funding from the government to inject 14 patients and healthy convicts, which is great, uh, with advanced live cancer cells. Live cancer cells. Just live cancer boom. cells. Done. Uh, now, this wasn't done to treat. It was done to study the natural killing off of the human body the process they were just watching how it destroys these people we're gonna study how cancer actually kills people (laughs) the inmates were told that they didn't face any immediate grave danger uh not immediate give it a week well that any growth would be surgically removed uh so i mean a lot of these were like okay two of them died before prognosis uh four of which developed tumors 
that were removed, although some of the tumors grew again. Christ. Uh, one patient actually metastasized. Really? Yep. Uh, the best part about this, half of them were African Americans. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's the I kicker. I definitely couldn't That's have guessed the that. Fucking kicker. I probably could have told you that. Oh, man. Simply the best. But yeah, and just cancer research. Then you get totally you know, fucked up history. All honestly. that research, send it back to the government. They take it into a, a lab that's kind of off the books, and suddenly they have a cancer gun. <laughs> oh, a cancer gun, yes. Yes. Uh, the best. But along the same lines of the delightful U.S. government oh. and their genius medical ideas, we're going to get into my one of my favorites, MK Ultra. Oh, MK Ultra, beautiful. Uh, now, if you don't know, it was LSD testing by the CIA, uh, not necessarily to create super agents, but it was definitely to to attempt to make a serum, more or less, a a truth serum, and yeah. get people to admit. Uh, get prisoners of war to admit. Now, the reason they came out with a lot of this is because Korea said, hey, we have mind control tactics. And the CIA, instead of looking into it, was like, oh, shit, we've got to catch up right now. And so they gave thirty more than 30 universities um, these samples and told them they would do funding. However... Not all of them knew that it was from the government. Uh, Mm, A lot of it was uh, they would launder their money through shell organizations and say, oh, yeah, like, we're so-and-so. By all means, do this. Yeah, study this. They did a lot of, yeah, a lot of brain or mind control type stuff trying to get truth serums. And, man, MKUltra is (laughs) fucked. We will do an entire episode dedicated to it. I just have Project Artichoke and... Project Paperclip, they all tie together. Uh, uh, It will lead into Operation Midnight Climax. Oh, it gets good, baby. How many shekels is that? Two? (laughs) Two whole shekels. Though, as far as I read, they did not remove testicles. Oh, then what's the point? (laughs) I mean, you're out two shekels. Yeah. Uh, So, like I said, it was... A reaction to Korea's mind control techniques uh, that that Korea used on American prisoners during the Korean War. Yeah, but weren't the Koreans like communist or and they were like backed by Russia? There was some weird connection between oh, them I didn't and Russia. Read on that. Yeah, yeah, it was part of the Cold War, where <laughs> I could somehow it, it traced back to like China or Russia or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised because Korea. the CIA was so involved. Yeah, and the CIA just had. Boners for fighting anything <laughs> related <Russians>. to communism. <laughs> Those goddamn commies. God damn it. Uh, which is definitely not by any means the idea we were looking for when we made our logo. Unrelated. And we completely. did emphasize this last episode. We want nothing to do with communism. Yeah, it came to me in a dream. I don't even know what communism is. When you were 14 years old, were you trying to find the right religion? Yeah. <laughs> Just a big yellow fist and a toothpick. And a toothpick. Uh, so, the CIA used this LED. LSD, LED. They used LED lights. No. Uh, they used LSD uh, initially, 
as what they hoped would be an amnesia pill so that these super agents of the CIA that were created by taking LSD, apparently, they were accessing the best part of their brain, um, they would take LSD to forget. Now, that didn't happen. They were looking into it, trying to find out if that could be the case. But really, they were probably just dis- distracted with all the hallucin- hallucinations that they were having. Yeah. Um, so they wanted to make them immune to mind control, which... It wasn't even proven that mind control... Big oof. Yeah. ...was a thing yet. <laughs> they didn't know whether Korea's mind control tactics were really even a thing. They're just like, LSD will be that. Uh <laughs> So uh, they wanted to use it to create more or less a a programmable assassin or Manchurian Mm. candidate, have you, Uh, the perfect CIA agent that he can't give out any information because he's always tripping fucking balls. Well, I think the idea (laughs) was he, he could never tell you or like snitch on you or tell out any information because he didn't know that he's an agent. He's an agent so sense, deep. Yeah. He's a sleeper agent. That, that's what they were trying to do, where deep you cover. would just go to him, whisper a word in their ear on the street. They would activate, go get a gun, and go kill Fidel Castro. Turn like, out, honestly, that's a perfect American Go back home, society. take a shower, put the blanket on, wake up the next go morning, to nine to five not understand day. that any of that had happened. Uh, so they were hoping that, well, I mean, they also did hypnosis experiments, and they mm. were hoping that they could find out more about this apparent truth serum that Korea had. Uh, and they also did a little bit with um, radiological implants. Mm-hmm. Now, this leads into Operation Midnight Climax. Uh, they It was a project that issued prostitutes, LSD. and oh, Of course. The prostitutes wouldn't take it. They would give it to their clients. In hotels that the CIA set up with two-way mirrors, and they would observe these guys tripping the fuck out, and they would just stand behind two-way glass and take notes. Yeah, and these would be higher members of, like, government or higher members in society, right, that they would kind of honeypot in? Um, I assume some of them, but yeah. a lot of it was they were just trying to find out what the fuck LSD was doing <laughs> to people. What is this? And no better way to find out than giving it to... You know anyone that is buying a prostitute. Some of these, some of these people were administered in bars or, you know, at a nice fucking seafood dinner. Mm-hmm. You're staring into the face of a dead fish on your fucking plate. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, they determined it was too unpredictable to really get like a good idea of what LSD was doing. Uh, now, Frank Olson was in the CIA. And uh, he was given a drink, drugged with LSD. However, he wasn't told that LSD was in it until 20 minutes after he drank it. Uh, There were a couple other people in the room, same thing. Frank found out uh, when they told him, and in a fit of, and this is what the CIA says, a fit of paranoid rage stormed out of the room, which I don't blame him. Like, yeah, like that's fair. Yeah, I mean, he'd been working for the CIA for a minute, and it w- they're just like, oh, hey, uh, by the way, you've been fucking drugged at work. So 
He leaves. He's furious about it. And the CIA says, hey, we're going to give you psychological treatment. We're, we're sorry. Uh, they check him into this hotel. And uh, because of his paranoia, he ended up falling out of the window. Oh, falling out of the window. Oh, we'll get into it. Okay. Uh, so he falls out of the, the 10th story window at his hotel prior to his therapy. Uh, Olsen, he had a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, well, during uh, President Ford's reign, <laughs> um, <laughs> during his term, they, the government actually compensated this family $750,000 because, because of what happened. Um, now, the 1990s, his son decided, I want to know what else is going on. So his son has an autopsy performed on his dad. Okay, years later. Years later in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they end up finding out that his dad, prior to his unfortunate fall from the 10th story... Little tumble. There was blunt force trauma to his head. <laughs> and, of course. Uh, it it just turned into this huge thing, but yeah, so massive little, amounts of LSD CIA, in his body. Yeah, massive <laughs> amounts of LSD. He was paranoid. Okay, he was <laughs> paranoid and angry, and it was it was Frank's fault. Honestly, he should have just been having fun on recreational drugs. Yeah, that was provided by the government. Like how how about that? Have you heard? Slight tangent. MKUltra has a lot of aspects to it. A lot of different ways that they were going about. A lot of different goals. Did you hear about the time they laced an entire town with LSD? I'm not surprised. It was a small village. I think it was in Canada, uh, real close to oh, the border. That was one thing. They did administer this throughout the U.S. and Canada, mm-hmm. which was also uh, the AEC, the Atomic Energy Committee. Oh, of course. Uh, they were also infecting Canadians and Americans. So they would. they basically had this entire town... A uh, CIA operatives went in. I I believe there was a local, like it was the mayor or a senator or I don't know, some person in the government who knew about it in the area. And it was like, peace, I'm going to go on vacation for two weeks. And they they laced the entire <laughs> Later, town. suckers. Yeah, they laced the entire town's water supply oh my God. with LSD. So, you know, it happened slowly. Some people take some more... But basically, I, I was reading this first-hand account from the doctor in the town who was like, <laughs> this kid came in, and he was freaking the tripping the fuck out, and they don't know what was causing it. He thought it was like ergot poisoning, or there was a fungus, or... For some reason, this kid had, like, he was just huge. The craziest kid I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I had had a couple glasses of water prior to him yeah. coming into my office, but man, it was but wild. But that's what happened. It was like he would very, fairly quickly in the first day, there were like five or six people coming in, and then he started to trip out. <laughs> and for like a full-on week, there was just Everybody chaos. Just it was just insane. So have you ever heard of uh, where they talk about how LSD and acid, same, yeah. same, same. Uh, you can have... Not PTSD, but just randomly, even though you're not taking it, it'll store itself in your brain and you'll get a dose all of a sudden. So an entire town, just LSD, PTSD, just randomly they'll have ghost trips Mm -hmm. for the rest of fucking rest of their lives. Yeah. 
So it, it was insane. And it was a pretty decent amount of LSD. So based on where you were, based on the water <laughs> system, you were like fucking completely out of it. And then some people were just like microdosing. And they're like, this is the most productive day I've had in 10 years. So, God, it is yeah. a good day. It's a good fucking day, man. Oh, MK Ultra would be great to look more into. There was some really fucked up shit. Oh, yeah, that that's definitely one that we'll have to we'll have to do an episode. Uh, so yeah, got got I love it. It's yeah. it's good shit. So, um, Willbrook was a little school in New York, and in 1963. They had an influx of kids that were checked into the school. Uh, now, not all of them were in this experiment, mm-hmm. but quite a hefty amount were. And a bunch of healthy kids, not they weren't disabled, luckily this time. However, they were infected with hepatitis. Which one? I believe it was hepatitis A. Okay. Um... But, awful, but not the worst nowadays. The time, but back in the day, I could oh also yeah, that would be see awful. Not just being hepatitis A. Some of the kids were being injected. However, some of the kids were being force-fed stool samples. That's how you get Hep E infected children. Oh um, shit! Literally. <laughs> oh oh, oh god! Shit. Yeah. Did they know? <laughs> Was it like Febreze and packaged in a tuna can, or was it just like... I, I'd assume that they probably just mixed it in with, like, school lunches. Uh, once again, this is another oh. boarding school, so these kids are Man, this school food site. is really shitty. Yeah, <laughs> shitty school food. You got it. Uh, yeah, absolutely fucked up. Um, just, once again, kids that don't know any better... Parents completely unaware, and these just researchers doing completely unethical treatments on unsuspecting patients. What were they trying to prove? What were they studying? Just they were like just trying to find out the effects. This the effects is of hepatitis. hepatitis on the body. Seems like a lot of these experiments are just. We know a little bit about this. We just want to see what happens when exactly. it's not treated. Just, there wasn't enough research like into what was going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, welcome to America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one I didn't go terribly in depth with. I just thought it was horrible. Yeah, that they're literally that's feeding kids shit, um, which, you know, infected. they're shit. doing the same thing with school lunches now. Um, no, yeah, it's not much different. <laughs> uh, so 1968, there was the tea room study. So tea room generally is a slang term for bathroom. Um, okay. it's... Obviously, just tea, urine, room, bathroom, whatever. Uh, however, this Episcopalian minister, uh, he was also a sociologist. Uh, his name was Loud Humphreys. Oh, great name. He was an ordained minister, mind you. Ordained! And he would go to bars or public places and offer to be a lookout for homosexual couples or just randoms that wanted to hook up in public. And he would push them to hook up in public. Like, hey, go over there into that bathroom. I will stand guard outside. Within view. Oh. So he would... God damn it. I mean, it's stated that, I mean, it's it's sexual deviancy. Like, boom, right there. Mm -hmm. Pow. 
the thing that really makes it ultra fucked up is that he would follow these people, write down their license plate numbers. A year later, he approached them. Now, he wouldn't say, hey, I know what you did. He would just, you know, do regular things like put on a disguise, change his appearance, and interview them on whether, like, where their lives were. He would just talk to them about their lives. 14% were admitted homosexuals. Mm-hmm. The rest, the other 86%, were not. Um, but a lot of uh, medical uh, associations were like, we're not even going to like recognize this just because of how shameful the entire research is. And this guy was thrilled with himself. He's just so, oh, I'm, I'm so smart. Uh, I am very smart. It's just... I convinced people to have sex in front of <laughs> and me. And then I followed them. Gay sex. And I found out about their lives and how maybe they didn't want this information to come out. <laughs> maybe. Uh, it did, mind you, teach them a lot of... Uh, people took a lot of information from it on not necessarily sexual deviancy, but how people like want to hide certain aspects of their lives, mm. how they'll block those things out. Um, regardless, totally fucked up. Now, on to the one that is one of my favorite, and it's my final um, experiment I'll talk about, uh, the Milgram experiment. All right, now, I'm ready. I've been waiting for this yes, one. Yes, in 1963, uh, Stanley Milgram set up with a couple of his colleagues. Uh, they made a newspaper ad, and they sent it out to uh, recruit people. Now, it would it would say, "Hey, come come try out our our experiment. We really want you." Uh, and they would do a a little screening with these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had certain aspects that they looked for. Initially, it was for males. They ended up doing females later on. Uh, and they would prefer to get people that were middle class and they were in a certain pay grade uh, and a certain age range of males. I believe it was like their 30s and 50s. Okay. Older, not old, but slightly older. Um, and people that are just regular normal Joes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'd take these people in and sit them down and they would be sitting with, uh, we'll call him uh, Mr. Jones. Now, Mr. Jones knew Stanley Milgram and he was also on Stan- Stanley Milgram's experiment. Okay. He was the inside man. He's the inside man. These... People are sitting down. They have no idea. Uh, Milgram walks up and he says, draw a straw. Uh, the shorter one, or draw a straw. So these guys draw straws. Uh, Mr. Jones pulls the longer straw and he goes, oh, short straw is actually going to be the uh, teacher today. Long, uh, so short straw. He's like, all right, teacher, Mr. Jones, you're the learner. So every single experiment, Mr. Jones was a learner. They would both, all of them would walk into the room and Mr. Jones would sit down. They would strap his hands down and they would put little nodes on his arms across his body and they would say, okay, like, and Mr. Jones, he kind of acts nervous. He's like, whoa, I, mm-hmm. I don't know about this. And um, they tell him, hey, look, 
like we're gonna do some trainings with you uh we're just gonna do some kind of wordplay more or less okay so uh they would tell him we're gonna go over certain words and depending on those words you need to say what like you need to say this one uh they would go through like two practice rounds whatever so teacher sits down with with mr jones explains things whatever uh then they take the teacher to the other side of the room close the door now uh the people that are watching this are on a two-way mirror but the wall is in between so they can see mr jones doing his thing they can Mm -hmm. also watch this guy um now they sit the teacher down in front of this large machine that has a bunch of little switches on it, uh, 30 switches. And all of them have uh, numbers over them. And it says 15 volts all the way up to 450 volts. Okay. Now, the guy on the other side of the glass also has a button that he presses that will show whether the, the answer is wrong and Mr. Jones gives. So, they sit down and they say, every time he answers one of these wrong, you need to hit a switch. And every time he gets it wrong, you're going to increase the load that this guy takes. Mm-hmm. So, Pretty they begin. Getting there. Yeah, Mr. Jones starts answering. It's wrong initially. like, And I mean, these things are, are labeled um, like 15 volts, no pain at all. Uh, and they even have them when they went in with Mr. Jones. They even show him, hey, look, just so you know. This is the level of, uh, like, this is what 30 would be. Mm-hmm. Or, give like, higher. Examples. They would give them a higher one that kind of stings a little bit. Uh, just so that these people are like, ooh, ow. Ooh, yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah that's this is like, serious. This, this is, is like 150. And they're like, ooh, ouch, it's not fun. So, with all that in mind, uh, these people start reading the words. Mr. Jones starts failing questions. And they're getting higher and higher. And they can hear him constantly on the other side. And he starts screaming when they get Mm -hmm. to the higher ones. He goes, ow, stop. Mm -hmm. And Milgram sits back with his notepad and watches these people. Now, if they started to protest, if let's say the teacher turned around and said, I want to stop. Milgram had four prods is what he called. And he would go in order. So prod one, he would say, please continue. Prod two. He would say, the experiment requires you to continue. Number three, it is absolutely essential that you continue. And number four, he has he says, you have no choice but to continue. He's not getting up and getting in these people's faces and saying, sit down, you have to continue this. Yeah, he's being yeah. professional-ish. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting back doing his thing, and he would tell them this. So, as it goes, they continue getting these higher and higher amounts until Mr. Jones... Stops responding. Oh, shit. And he has a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. until the little buzzer clicks and says, hey, he's wrong. So they're reading these things. Buzzer shows with no answer. They click 300. They click 300 volts. They know that it's twice the amount of pain that they received before. They also know that he's not answering for some reason. So they turn around and say, hey, is he doing okay? He says, the experiment requires you to continue. Yeah, move up those prods, right? Two-thirds of these people get all the way to 450 volts. They click it on. They click it off. Nothing happens. 
they conclude the the experiment and everything uh 100% of the people that they had in went all the way up to 300 volts uh 300 volts i believe it said something like dangerous above it um 450 volts said it had three X's above it. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, do not, do not flip this switch. We're going to keep it. We like the option, but don't use it. <laughs> uh, so they would give their, their little experiment. And then I believe at the end, they would show him, hey, uh, he's all right. He's doing okay. And he's like, oh, yeah, I feel great. And these people are confused. Uh, but they would explain to them what they did, why they did it. And I mean, they would have groups of people. They would pull like one person at a time. They'd have a group of five people out one day. Um, they pull all of them in, explain it to them and say, how do you feel about this? And a lot of the people didn't like it. Um, the females especially were like, I don't like that you guys are using like control tactics that you're, you're telling me like, I don't have the illusion of choice. And they're saying, mm-hmm. no, you had the choice to get up and walk out. And they said, I don't, I didn't realize that I had that choice. Yeah. Uh, and they're frustrated, rightfully so. It turned into this huge legal battle because it was terribly unethical because it was linked and likened to experiments that happened during world war ii during the holocaust uh that i mean it had a lot to do with the nuremberg trials because nuremberg trials they said oh well these people acted because it was the illusion of authority like they didn't know that they could say no and these people in the 1960s (laughs) did not want to be likened to people that took part in the holocaust because they didn't know any better um, this same guy, Milgram, uh, he went on to do a couple other experiments, but ultimately he was just, he wasn't a good guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he would have people walk out and just stand in the street and stare up at the side of a building. Mm-hmm. And eventually, like, one other person would walk by and look at what they were looking oh, at. Oh, uh, And yeah. then multiple people are doing it. And then some people are just standing up, staring at the side of the building, even though one person is an actual, su- is the, yeah. like, on the project. Meanwhile, there are just all these people staring up and and they, nothing. Yeah. They have nothing. Um, but yeah, terribly unethical. Uh, it just, it, it's interesting because it comes up, uh, with authoritarian figures and the amount of illusion of control that they thought people had. Yeah, that's um, so interesting that they wouldn't even think about it. A terribly, terribly interesting experiment. There's a lot more that goes into it. Um, I would recommend checking it out. Uh, I, I can get a link in the show notes, but there's a lot that goes with it. Um, so all of this leads to the Beecher article. Now, Beecher article was written about 22 unethical experiments, and it brought to light... Consent requirements, confidentiality issues, fairness and subject selection, and research design, as well as a better pharmaceutical screening prior to actually releasing your medicine so that, you know, you're not giving people uh, medicine for fucking leprosy. <laughs> yeah. Then their babies uh, come out and look like a monkey. So Beecher writes this article, and he basically says, hey, look, I'm not saying that, like, 
you were wrong to do this experiment or that you shouldn't have done this experiment. I'm just saying search yourself a little bit before you do the experiment to make sure that maybe it reaches all these requirements. Um, and then in 1981, or sorry, 1979, the Belmont Report comes out, uh, which outlines the necessities of guidelines, or the necessity and guidelines of IRBs, uh, and kind of helps segue into actual representation for people that either don't have any idea of what they were doing, or making sure that it's an ethical study, that it's not completely destroying and putting people in harm's way. Yeah, you're not making someone sleep with a prostitute with a clap or injecting <laughs> or, you know, putting someone in a room full of mosquitoes with malaria. Exactly. Uh, so in 2016, there was actually a study that the IRB took to court and the FDA generally, instead of taking things to court and pressing for legal action, would usually just say, hey, look, you can't do studies anymore. Like, you are federally prohibited from doing studies. Uh, but they actually pushed it to go to court in this case. It was uh, Halford's study, um, and he administered an unauthorized herpes vaccine uh, and infected some people with, her with herpes, or he used the vaccine itself to get rid of herpes, although he didn't have any prior pharmaceutical testing on the vaccine. Oh, okay. So it was just directly human testing. Yeah, directly to human testing. Um, and prior to his conviction, he died. It wasn't that he committed suicide. He just died, which mm -hmm. I'm assuming was he was forced to be dead. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, yeah, luckily we have these IRBs. A lot of people say that it's not okay just because they're like, well, the IRBs will, the they have really, really strict guidelines. Um, so if someone's trying to get, like, this offhand cancer treatment, they can't because IRBs are turning it away. They're like, no, we're not going to do this cancer treatment. Um, we're not going to say that this is okay. When... Really, it could be beneficial, but it's being turned down by IRBs. So it's controversial, but ultimately something that it's probably a hell of a lot better that we have it in place mm -hmm, to prevent, you know, causing radiation to children with disabilities. To uh, prove that that Quaker is better than cream of yeah, wheat. I mean, you never know. It was know. just a dick measuring contest. <laughs> it really was. It was just literally to be the ultimate breakfast food <laughs> it's like what the fuck um uh, it reminds me a lot of uh i think it was it happened twice that i know of i think it was the first person who invented like a smallpox vaccine i believe he uh tested it on his children oh my god and this I, was way back in the day. I'm pretty sure it was this, like yeah. Louis Pasteur or something late, yeah. like during that time period. Because he wouldn't admit his mistake. He was like, I'm so confident in this that oh. I'm, it was a, no, you're thinking no, of polio. The it one it happened. Of. Yeah. You're thinking of the polio one where he, you know, group of doctors developed this vaccine. They sent it to another doctor to double check. That doctor said, no, do not, do not give this to people. It will cause polio. And he said, fuck you. 
injected his own grandchildren with it and they died of polio. Dick, the and worst type of person. They had to, like thousands of people got infected with polio from that. And then they had to like really quickly come up with another way to inactivate the virus to ca- to create this <laughs> Didn't polio vaccine. Die? What's that? Didn't they die of polio? Yeah, they died of polio. <laughs> it's the worst piece of shit ever. Like, I trust this even though I had independent verification that this is a failure. But I'm going to try it on my grandchildren. So the fuck off. Dick. Uh, so yeah, that's... Um... Super That's happy topic. For you. Institutional review boards, uh, definitely worth li- looking into. There is a more in-depth timeline of reactions that, uh, like the FDA being created, um, and that one is the one that I'll make sure the link is in the show notes. Uh, there are a few more, and this was from, uh, oh, I don't remember the. It's not John Hopkins, but it's it's a reputable uh, university that put this timeline together, and they have more examples of terrible medical shit that goes on. I'll make sure that that one is in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely look into it. Um, it's interesting to see the reactions of certain things, but one of the biggest ones was uh, Tuskegee, the Tuskegee mm-hmm. syphilis study. Oh, yeah, the that, study that, that was supposed really, to go on for six months. Yeah, that really, like, kick-started the Belmont Report mm-hmm. and creation of IRBs. So if you're interested in any of this stuff, by all means, check it out. Um, go to that website, and, yeah, we'll we'll see you guys in a few weeks. Um, That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. We're going to have to do something happy at some yeah, point. We'll, we'll Don't expect it. In, we'll have to do something exciting one of one of these times it doesn't you know bring absolute dread to your day um but yeah check us out on twitter uh we'll be tweeting some kofefis um (laughs) we'll we'll be super active on there uh it is points o pressure and yeah yeah we're good we'll see uh from there See you another time in the name of Jesus Christ. Bro-men. Bro-men. Later, guys.